Welcome to a brand new episode of The Talk, a podcast about changing the world by Nordea Private Banking. In this episode, I've traveled to Norway to meet with Sigrun Siverud, who is the co-founder and CEO of Fjong, a company that are trying to change the world through fashion. Fashion, you ask? Yes, the fashion industry are in fact among the worst offenders in the world when it comes to polluting the world. And Fjong are changing the industry from a model where you own your clothes to one where you rent them. Much like what Spotify did for music. Besides co-founding this amazing business, Sigrun is also one of Norway's most celebrated impact entrepreneurs and an overall amazing person. With a vivid body language, I should add, because she keeps hitting my microphones all the time. Anyway, we had a great time, and I think you will too. And here is Sigrun Syverud. Fjong is probably the, the funniest and best company name I've come across <laughs> in years. You know what it means in Norwegian? <laughs> no, tell me. <laughs> um, well, I've heard what it means in Swedish. So all Swedish people always start laughing or just kind of commenting on, start commenting on the name. But in Norwegian and Danish, actually, it means just to be well-dressed, looking nice. It's an old-fashioned word, so it's not a word young people today would use at all. But it's a, it's a word my grandparents use. But in Swedish, I've heard it means something. Yeah, it means something else. Yeah, in Swedish, uh, we don't really use the word either, but it does mean something different. What does it mean? Well, uh, I can't really say on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) When I first read the name, I was like, what in the world? I love the name. Yeah. It it sounds like a a sound. Yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could also come across as Asian, maybe. Some like... Chinese or Korean yeah. word, maybe. Yeah, it's great. Anyways, what mm-hmm. so it comes? It's an old Danish and Norwegian word yeah. for fashionable, or yeah, exactly. I think it's originally Danish, I guess, and uh, like a lot of Danish words, it was exported to Norwegian in the 17th, 19th, 19th century, and uh, was a popular word, I guess, for a long time then. And uh, but now it's just a kind of old-fashioned word. Everyone knows what it means, but. Uh, People use it even either just ironically or... Have you launched in Sweden yet? No, we have not uh, launched in Sweden yet. So when you do, you will have like instant recognition. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we actually did a pop-up store in Sweden and then we had this big sign with our name and uh, a lot of people started to laugh. <laughs> or, yeah, we saw that like they <laughs> pointed at it to their friends and were, were laughing about it, so... We we think it's going to be an icebreaker more than a deal breaker. No, so. no, it is actually. Yeah, I, I agree. No, it's a great name in that sense. We have also a tradition in Sweden of naming fashion things in a weird way. Yeah, like acne. Acne is yeah, a great exactly. example. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. In the world. Thought about the same. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what does Fjong do? Fjong is a clothing rental platform where you can rent out the clothes that you don't wear so often, and you can rent instead of buying clothes. So it's a way to utilize better the clothing you have in your closet and um, not having to buy things you anyway just going to wear a few times or for a period. So I, for example, 
rented this and just have that like it's a jacket that I know where to get with my my outfit for a few weeks and then I will replace it with another jacket for example and I also rent um, suits dresses skirts all kinds of things to just cheer up my everyday wardrobe but also when I go for a party it's um, you can rent the dress and just have it for that party or wedding or whatever and uh, have something else next time and most of our items are sourced from private people so that private people's items that they don't wear so often so if they hadn't rented it out on Fiong, it would maybe just be hanging in their closet just unused and taking up closet space. But um, we try to utilize better the clothes that are out there. So you say most of your items, but some items come from stores or... Yeah, some items come from stores and some items we have also bought ourselves. So it's a mix of sourcing there. So some stores also rent out through, through us. Uh, for example, Holzweiler, it's a Norwegian brand. I've been renting renting out their previous collections. It's a problem that many stores or many brands often don't know what to do with previous collection items. It's stories how some brands burn them. They end up in landfills, but it's so important to utilize clothes better. They are in high quality. They're great unused clothes, so... It's a pity that they're not used. And the clothing industry is also one of the most polluting in the world. It's more CO2 emissions from the clothing industry than from shipping and aircraft industries together. And it's also one of the most resource demanding. And just to produce one t-shirt takes 2,700 liters of water. And um, that is the same amount of water a person drinks in two and a half years, approximately, to produce one t-shirt. Wow. So that is something to think about next time people buy a t-shirt because it's, it's an extremely resource demanding industry. And for example, the Aral Sea, it used to be the fourth largest sea or lake in the world. But in the 70s, 80s, it started with very large scale cotton production. And now it's just only a desert left. And we, we just can't continue that way. It's no. crazy. Yeah. And I, and I guess clothes are really, I mean... I wonder how much of their lifetime they spend in the closet. Most of it, right? Most of it, for sure. In Norway, people have on average 359 items in their closet and every third is hanging unused. So it's it's crazy. So you're basically outsourcing your closet. That's what's yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so also if you if you have a tiny apartment or something, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Then um, get a lot of uh, free closet space if you rent out the items you don't use so often on Fyong. And like I do, I also, I have a quite tiny closet space and I rent maybe five items at a time that I just use for every day and then I change it up. So then you don't need to have so much because you just access the items you need for that period and then you change it up after that period. So now the fall is coming, winter, I can rent uh, outdoor uh, outdoor jackets and even skiing items uh, or skiing jackets and ski pants and stuff. Yeah. That, may, that makes even more sense because yeah. you only use those like <laughs> exactly a yeah. weeks a year. Mm-hmm. Unless so, you're Norwegian, of course. Yeah. You, you are out there all the time. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, that's the cliche. But uh, <laughs> now we've been having what we call spot rentals. So people can rent for a special occasion or they just rent normal as we go to a store and and buy something, you just rent or book something. But now we're going to start with subscription. That is um, that you pay a monthly fee, and then you can have a number of clothes from Fyong at each time, and then you just change it up like I do. 
But that is like having that service that you can just stream clothes so that you can like Spotify when you stream music, you don't pay for, just pay for the access. That is what we're going to start with also with the I, I clothing. I was actually just going to say that. That's that's the service I would want. I would yeah. want to have an, an inbox and an outbox, you know. So I use something, I drop it in my outbox. Yeah. And then every week, people, you know, you come over with seven outfits. That's <laughs> yeah. what I would want. That would be really cool. Actually, we're only for women right now. Ah. So it's only women service. That needs to change imme- yeah. immediately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At some point, we will have for men too. Yeah. So people used to dream of having a walk-in closet. And now they dream of a surf-in closet or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Mm. I, I, lo- I love the idea. Yeah. So what, so what did you... What's your background? How did you end up here, of all places? Yeah, it's a little weird. First, I studied economics. I took a bachelor's degree in economics in Berlin, in Germany. And when I was there, I first, for the first time, started to kind of hear about more and be together with people who were starting companies and working in startups. In Norway at that time, that was something no one did at all. Like, Norway wasn't a startup country at all. It was still oil and gas heavily influenced by and yeah but in in Berlin so many of my my classmates were like oh I'm gonna start working for venture capital or in that startup and I I got really inspired by that but then I uh, moved to Norway for my master's and took a master's degree in finance in Bergen and when I came there I felt it was such a shock or such a contrast from Berlin because that was in 2013-2014 Norway was still very like unstartup-y and just thinking that you wanted to start working in a startup was was kind of seen down upon. It was not something people wanted to do. But I, I thought it was the most exciting kind of career path in a way. I really, really liked it. So I joined this student organization that was like, it, it was called Start NHH. And it was about other people who also wanted to work for a startup or start something for themselves. But it was a very small group at the university. And then I started to work in consultants and corporate finance, actually, just after my I finished my degree, and um, but then I uh, uh, after two three years in uh, in corporate finance and finance industry, I met my co-founder and we started to talk about the fact that we use the clothes so little and that we both had so many unused items in our closet and had bad consciousness basically and felt a little guilty for spending so much money on clothes but also wasting so much resources for clothes that you didn't use even. So we started to think that, oh, it would be so much better if we could just build a system that we could share clothes more and make it super convenient also to to share clothes. And the more we were thinking and talking about it, the better we thought the idea was. And we just felt like, okay, we have to start with it. So then we just started very in a very small scale in my co-founder's apartment and we invited some friends and colleagues over and everyone could bring some items they would like to rent out and people could rent. So it was kind of an event and that event was super successful. I think 40 people came, everyone brought something. We earned or we had a revenue that night of 5,000 kroners or something (laughs) and we thought that was super good but it was still super manual that we had a notepad and we we wrote with like pen different names and it's a lot of logistic because it was like name of renter, name of item she had rented, name of the owner on that item, had she paid and had we paid the owners. It was very many things that we just had to keep control of. But we found out that this is something people actually want. This works super well. 
but it's so much logistic and such a complicated business model. So in order to make it scalable, we need to build this from scratch. Like we build, need to build a technology that can do this in a scalable manner. And then we, we continued testing with events and we started to have opening hours even in my friend's apartment and another friend of ours that was a student and had some spare time. She was just sitting there and <laughs> doing her study and uh, and taking in customers who had heard about it. NRK, like the Norwegian big kind of TV channel, they came and made a little radio reportage and also made a, a kind of article about it. And that resulted in thousands of email and people who wanted to sign up for the service. And they were like, okay, we just need to start building this. And then we met James, who is now our CDO and have started to build the platform, the technology behind it. So he left then his current job and joined us. And then we started off early 2017. And yeah. And here you are. So yeah. <laughs> I guess that's how it goes a lot of yeah. times, right? You just start trying something and you pivot and then you do, you know, you try to do it really manually in the beginning. I think that is a very smart way to do it too. Um, because like you, by doing it manually, it's so much more easy to do changes and edits in the beginning because you you, don't, you haven't built the system that is like, or that you have to reprogram to right. do something differently. And especially in the beginning, there are so many opportunities, there's so many possibilities, that there are so many variations of the concept. So just to try out something for a little period and see what actually your customers want, I think is a very, very clever start so that it's easier to to know that you're building the right thing. Have, how long have you had Fiong for? Now it's um, the third year. And before that, did you come, you, you, you had a, a bit of a career before that. But if you look back at the career you have had so far, mm-hmm. how, how do you feel about it? Oh, that's a good question. I uh, Sometimes I think a little, like when I look at my life just now, I, I feel super grateful because I, I liked my career before too but it just feels so much more fulfilling in a way and and that I'm really on the right path compared to before before I also liked doing my my tasks I thought it was interesting but I didn't think it was so exciting maybe as now I didn't get so up and down emotionally as I, as I do now either yeah. like you just feel much more connected and it's more a lifestyle now than my previous before film career it was a job that I, I really liked, but now it's more when you when you're an entrepreneur. I think what you build and the company that you're working in just becomes your life almost a little. So you don't think about it as a career or a job. It's just your your life. Yeah, right I now. wouldn't say a little because it's exactly what it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is your life, and people don't can't separate really. You know, for good and bad because it's it's good because you you. Uh, you get a very f- fulfilling life and, yeah. uh, and and job, but but it's and it's also just sometimes hard to stop working. You yeah, know? it is, and it is like a baby. I don't have children myself yet, but it's. I guess it must be the same that you, you just do whatever it takes for it. You, it it's more work than you thought, but you don't see it as work, and you just see it as something you have to do yeah, because it's. Exactly. If not the what you built is gonna die almost. It's. Yeah. Uh, it, it needs you. You don't really have an option. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. So if you look at fashion 10 yeah. years from now, how do you think it will have evolved? I'm quite sure that we're moving towards using items more. I think that is super important. We we have to change our consumption habits so much. It's If we would continue living as we do, we like we all know, like United Nations have 
estimated that we, we need to drastically reduce our consumption within the next 10 years to, in order to keep our planet a little bit like it is, basically. So we just need to do some really drastic changes. The clothing industry is one of the most polluting, most CO2 emitting, most resource demanding. So we have to reduce also the clothing consumption quite drastically. And luckily, there are so obvious ways to do that. And the most obvious way is what humans have done forever until the last 50 years. It's to actually use the textiles again, over and over, make it to something new, um, borrow and share, uh, give it to someone else, but make sure that we utilize the textiles that we have. Like when I talk with my grandma, for example, she was making baby clothes for my mom from her dad's old jackets that she also had kind of made to some jackets for herself. And then she used the rest to, for making baby jackets to my mom. And that is that is so great. Also very cute to have the same fabric. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but then you really make sure that you utilize the fabric that has made to last for, for a long time and that it's been a lot of resources going in to make it. And we can still do that, but people today don't have time or don't know how to do it even. So it's good that companies can help people consume more like that. But I think reusing clothes is the only way we can go. And it's also, if you look at trends in the industry, like reuse that you sell and buy, but also renting are the two kind of biggest and fastest moving trends within retail. So that is great. Uh, I think the challenge for industry players like Fjong and others is to make it super convenient for people to consume that way because consumers get really, or people today are, they're busy. They are, they just want, they don't want to think so much about things. They just want to get the service. So I think that is what we have to solve to make it super convenient and easy to to consume clothes through renting. And that is what we're working for. Yeah, and make it for men. And make it for <laughs> men, of course. <laughs> yeah, I would I would actually love to have that service if, if it was fun. I need yeah. fun clothes. I don't yeah. want boring clothes. <laughs> yeah, we are also planning to build in, like we have a lot of customer data now. We know what they've been browsing at. We know what they've been liking, what they've been booking. And using that to give very good recommendations, also ask some extra questions, knowing a little bit more of their lifestyles, will give us a lot of data and be able to give you and other customers really good re clothing recommendations and just recommend you things that I think will, that we know that you like fun clothes, for example, yeah. and then we <laughs> will send that to you every month if you like them and make it super easy for you to, and you don't have to work for finding out what you need, but we just give it to you, basically. Yeah, I love that. I want that. <laughs> so when has what moments have been really tough in this journey? Um, I think there are, like when you work in a startup, there are so many things that need to be balanced. and Or there's so many things you, you can do all the time. And there are fires burning all the time. And you have to find out which fires are you going to let burn and which fires are you going to extinguish basically and it also needs to be a, a little balanced because if you focus super much on one area and you let the other fires burn in another area then at some point you just see that it kind of gets an imbalance and you have to focus on the other area yeah. <laughs> and I think finding that balance all the time knowing where to put your focus and what to just let continue has been a challenging kind of thing and keeps being and I think you get better at it but 
seeing then that, oh, I should have started there much earlier, or now I've been letting that just burn for too long, is something that very often happens, I think. And I think that is challenging, that you you always like have to be very alert and you have a lot of responsibility for for everything you feel. It's there's so many layers that you need to to balance. So uh, you keep hitting that. I, I'm, yeah, I know. I'm I, you see my hands so <laughs> yeah, much. I know. When I didn't put it higher speak. up or something. Yeah. <laughs> you can do this. Oh. <laughs> I think that is challenging, and you work with you work with people, and you have employees that you ha- are responsible for. You have to be a good leader. At the same time, you have to to make sure it goes fast. That people kind of push themselves as much as they can, that um, I haven't had so much responsibility. Now I am a leader of 20 people and I hadn't done that before. So just knowing how to be a good manager, for example, how do you, how, how do you do that? Like what's the balance of like pushing people and or finding the right um, challenges for people at their right level and making sure that they are happy but challenged. And I think there are, there are a lot of new things all the time, also a lot of legal things you have to find out about. We have a lot of, we have 200 shareholders actually. If we had a crowdfunding where we set Norwegian record in crowdfunding, but then just managing the owners, the investors, the people, the, the strategy, the vision, keeping that up and changing it. And that is also something you, you have a vision and you have a path for it, but that will change. And how you get to your vision and how you take your path, is that is for sure something that's going to change. And when that, in the beginning, when, when something changed or when we, like, distributing information in the team was super easy when we were just, like, four or five people. But then suddenly we got 20 and it's a, just a complete new way to to communicate and to be a leader and kind of that transition I think also has been a little challenging how to have to adjust quick enough and how to know what's the right level of formalness and and communicate what's the right level or what's the communication structure we're going to have when we are 20 suddenly compared to five a few months ago we are starting to reach our limit here but just wrapping up what would be your top three advice for an entrepreneur starting out uh, I think if you are a person who wants to start something, the first thing you need to do, I think, is to go and talk about it to other people you meet. I meet people who say that, oh, I'm thinking about starting something, but I can't share it with you or I can't tell anything about it because it's going to be secret because they are afraid of someone stealing their idea. I think that is a big mistake. A rookie mistake, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You rarely meet accomplished entrepreneurs that say that no it's so true so i think you're just not gonna get anywhere then because sharing it and talking about it with other people is the best way to actually get started you meet people who can be your investors your employees or just collaboration partners at in some way if you tell other people about your idea people will also give you some like letting you know if it's a good idea or not and giving you a good input on how to maybe adjust your idea if it's not perfect. We were talking a lot about Fjong in the beginning 
And then we saw that women were very excited about it, and men were not so excited. And for us, that was a very well, good one, indication. one man <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were, of course, some, but most men were not so excited. And that's a very clear indication that we might shouldn't start with men. We should just start with women. But also that you get people cheering for you, and you get some social commitment even to just follow up on what you say. So I think that is, it's just so crucial that you don't go and keep it a secret because no one's going to steal your idea anyway. You just have to talk about it and share it and the idea itself hasn't any value. It's just how you execute it and then talking about it is a super good start. You should try it. You have so little to lose. You just learn so much and it's such a fulfilling career path. So if you think about starting something, you, you have to try it because it's it can be a little scary to to kind of throw yourself out to it. But I think talking about it with others is a good start. And then just kind of devote yourself to it um, and it will be easier. But like doing it half or not doing it fully, it's it's difficult. Like if you if you start with it, you can you can you can do it beside your work, for example. I think that is a good idea to make sure that you test a little before you go all in. But it's difficult, I think, to just do it half or... Yeah, I, th- I think what you say about uh, talking about the idea can be important for, important for some people to hear. Mm, because think... it's it's something that you hear a lot, like, oh, don't talk about it, do it. Yeah. Yeah, but every time I pitch the idea, I practice my pitch. Exactly. And I mm-hmm. develop my idea and, you know, just for, for myself and I get feedback and... I don't know. I've I've heard that advice many many times that you shouldn't talk about it. You should just do it. Yeah. I I think that to me that's wrong. Yeah. I think the opposite. You have to talk about it. Yeah. It's you get so much back. And also when we, we we're going to start with subscription now, clothing subscription. I also talk a lot about that just to get customers, like get the interest. And every time I tell about it to someone, you get some ideas back, or they kind of verify your thinking a little, or not verify it, and then you. No, you have to pitch it or like present it in a different way. So it's not not even not only in the beginning, but just I think throughout the journey, it's uh, it's important. And also talk about difficult things. I think is super important. I I met a lot of entrepreneurs that feel that they always need to be so happy and kind of always have this pitching mood, and because you never know who if the person you talk with could be your next employee or investor or whatever. But I think it's also important to to dare to be open, like be transparent, try to also talk about things that are difficult. It builds trust and it's also important for the entrepreneur to not feel that they always need to be super smiley and super perfect in a way. It's yeah. okay and it's normal. It's expected that some things are really difficult and hard and that you go through a hard t- period. Yeah. But not close it in for yourself. Just be open about it. I think it's a big advantage when you start an entrepreneur journey. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. But uh, you know, thank you so much. That those, I think, did we have two or three pieces of advice there? Um, I think it was maybe two. <laughs> it was one <laughs> about talking about it and yeah, talking yeah. about the idea and things that are difficult. And okay, you're a quick third then. What's a quick third? One minute or less. I think dare to be bold. It's also very important, and I think for, especially for girls and women, it's. People are often, or I feel like other girls or female entrepreneurs often feel that they need to disclaim their idea a little. Not, and I think maybe also in Scandinavia, people have a little love. They yeah. can yeah. say about themselves that I'm actually 
dreaming of building something that's going to be world class and like change something in this world, they feel that they know we just going to start local and, and think about it as a kind of smaller thing. And I think partly because people just are afraid of thinking the big thoughts. So think that also you can be a kind of world entrepreneur. Think that also you you shouldn't kind of think that you, you, you can't like change the world because you, I think everyone can if they just, yeah, they're like everyone at least have the possibility to do it. But in order to get there, you have to think that you can get there. You have to believe that and have the vision that, yeah, I want to have a concept that can be in internationally in, in many countries. And then you have to dare to be bold and think that you can make it. I, I can't think of a better way to end the show than that. So thank you so much for coming. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and your mission? They can go to fjong.com or follow us on social media. Then uh, find it there. Well, <laughs> at least it will be easy to remember the name. Mm, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Thank and you. I hope to see you soon. It was so nice to be here. <laughs> thank you for listening. If you like this episode, I think you will love the ones we have in the pipeline for you. We have some truly amazing guests coming up. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast player to make sure you don't miss any of them. Also, we would love if you could help us rate this podcast on iTunes to help us spread the word. That makes a huge difference. I'm Walter Nesland, and I look forward to seeing you soon in the next episode of The Talk, a podcast about changing the world by Nordea Private Banking.